Hi, hello. Welcome to The Fool and the Page, a podcast for writers, the tarot curious, and for anybody who's making stories to make sense of things. I'm so excited to share this Fool and the Page interview with y'all, a conversation with my friend and fellow writer, Marilis V. Figueroa, a poet, an educator, a danzante, a just like really cool spirit, and all of this in the company of 10 of cups. Hello. So when I got to revisit this conversation um, to edit the episode, um, it was like the most delightful therapy session because <laughs> I just found myself nodding and feeling affirmed. Um, and I think that's how I've always felt talking with Marilis. And I, I hope and, and believe that you'll feel the same way listening in. So um, we first met when I was working as the program director at the Writing Barn, and they came on board as the artist in residence. And it was always such a privilege to pause in the workday and just talk about life and writing with Marilis and absorb their artist wisdom. Also in the company of now program director Jessica Hinkabee, shout out to you, Jess. Um, the three of us had the loveliest chats. So um, here's a little bit more about our special guest. Marilis V. Figueroa is a writer, danzante, and educator living in Austin, Texas. They are currently working on a novel in verse. We talk about that novel a little bit in our podcast. Um, I'm excited for you to hear a little bit more. Um, Marilis has taught in so many different environments, and um, I actually got to take a zine-making workshop from them at the Writing Barn a while back, and we talk about that a little bit in this episode. Um, I mention it because I feel like it's uh, <laughs> zine-making and, and uh, inspiring people to make zines is kind of emblematic of something that came out in this conversation and feels very in keeping with um, Marilis's spirit as, a, as an artist. Um, this idea that we should always be considering and meditating on and being challenged by how we can dismantle the idea of what writing should look like. The process, the final product, the community, what it means to participate in that community. Um, and uh, at one point in the episode, um, they're talking about writing a poem using their notes app on their phone. And I just want to quote, um, I want to quote them in this moment. So uh, this is what Marily said, um, talking about writing that poem using a phone. I was just pouring myself into that moment and I needed to let some ideas of what writing should look like go. So, all right, you know, those like rare and precious people in your life who seem the most capable of holding two realities to be true in a single moment. Y'all know y'all are thinking of people. I know you are. That's Marilis. And I feel like um, for them it really comes from this place of desiring balance and justice and beauty. And I mean, think about those rare people who can kind of inhabit and also understand and communicate about more than one realm at the same time. That might sound a little wild. It is absolutely the highest compliment for me. <laughs> and I know y'all know what I'm talking about. And I know because of it, you'll absolutely dig this conversation. I'm going to hop in at a moment when we're just talking about what it means to balance the writing life with your paid life, especially if that paid life is also in some way about writing, storytelling, or language. So 
enjoy y'all. Um, grab your 10 of cups from your deck at home. If you want to reference it, look it up online. That's what we're, what we're going to be chatting about and it's going to be sweet. Enjoy. I first met you when you were the artist in residence, mm-hmm. the writing barn in South Austin. So I know that you are well acquainted with the particular challenge of finding it's, it's, it's a particular challenge, but it's a challenge that most artists and writers are facing. Let's be real here Um, Mm -hmm. between sort of like professional obligations, i.e. what we do to like make money and live in a town. And then that balance between that and then what we might feel called to do as writers and artists and that time that most likely falls out of the paid hours. I'm curious, um, you're an educator, you're a full-time educator. Mm -hmm. What is it like both teaching the written word um, and also trying to make stories right now? What it's like for you finding balance and when you're able to find balance what does that look like? Yeah, no, that's a that's a really great question. I think for a lot of educators right now in general, and I think a lot of for a lot of like artists, educators, et cetera, folk. Um, well, I definitely like teaching the written word right now is super interesting because I think, you know, I teach high school students and I really think that we all have been diving into stories as one like this past year and plus as a way for escape. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think especially when you're teaching the humanities, you're kind of always fighting for relevance, um, especially in a Western capitalistic society. Mm-hmm. And so it's been pretty cool to, um, to be learning myself alongside these young people and hearing their thoughts. And especially with the kind of like, you know, revolutionary things that have come out of the pandemic and Black Lives Matter um, movement, um, it's been really cool that they are really interested in kind of decolonizing with me. So that's been just feeding my, you know, my personal life as well, because it's a passion of mine, um, especially in my writing. So although it's very stressful and, you know, um, every school across the world is probably getting like alerts that or even if they're not getting alerts because it's just really hard to organize like who has the virus and everything like that. It's, it's scary, um, but it still feels like our, com- our community is really essential, even the students that I only see online. Um, so they've definitely been saving my life um, this whole time. Um, and I think writing in the pandemic, um, you know, pre-pandemic, I wasn't doing much writing. My work-life balance was like, broken into almost felt like pieces that no super glue on earth could ever get back. And I think I was kind of mourning that and kind of like in shock and uh, not to be melodramatic, but, you know, every day was a bit of like a, like a trauma because I was so disconnected from my creative side and, you know, through the help of, uh, you know, friends and great therapists that making my creative side more a part of my life, even if it's just writing one little line down in my journal every day, definitely did make me feel more balanced. But pre-pandemic, you know, there was just like the hope for balance with professional life and creative life was 
very slim and I was definitely on the brink of something um, as many folks might have been either of changing gears or changing kind of life decisions. But in the pandemic, um, kind of, you know, I think like a lot of people, um, I chose to hit the reset button. And that's super scary. Because again, I was holding on to, you know, those pieces of glass that were cutting me, you know, to go yeah. with that metaphor. Yeah. Um, this is how I want to write, you know, my favorite way to, to write is to carve out like nine hours, honestly, and to do that consecutively. And, um, but that just wasn't the case when you're working full time, you know, I'm a, I'm a single person, so there's no way that I can take off time usually to do that. Um, so I, you know, my writing became, you know, like much less judgmental on myself. For instance, um, over the summer, I was writing poems just like in the notes app on my phone. I used to like think that was the silliest thing to do. I don't know why. Maybe it's because like ingrained in me um, to be perfect, which is like another capitalistic thing that I'm trying to like undo with myself. Um, and then only, you know, in the fall, when I was looking back at some poems I had written, I realized I had written 20 poems. Damn. And before then, like while working, while trying to go back to that system, kind of like the tower card, like by going back to that system, like I hadn't written maybe like one or even one poem. Um, and so I was shocked, but I also think I needed to not only give myself permission to like write whenever like it came to me in whatever form was most available right in front of me, um, but also I was just, you know, pouring myself out in that moment. And I really needed to like let some kind of ideas of what writing should look like go. And I do think being in quarantine and having everything stripped down to the bare, bare minimum, minimumist that I've ever been in my life was super helpful. Um, and, you know, that's kind of where like the blessing curse comes in with the, with the pandemic. And I, I hope I'm able to like pass that on to my students um, you know, I think we try, um, but of course, like the Western education system is still so much like point oriented. So anywho, yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm grateful for my students. I'm grateful for how writing is right now. And I think it's like a day-to-day -day process. And I think that's much more my flow. I, I think the two that this is one of the joys of teaching literature or teaching writing is that you are forced to kind of examine the processes that you, you think you should be sharing and modeling and then mm -hmm. question them, rethink them. I mean, to speak about like tower moments. Yeah. And, and we were chatting about this earlier, the pandemic just sort of like blowing all these doors open wide. I mean, this is so important for just like your fellow writers in the community to hear that if you are feeling like that little bit, like that sort of gritty moment where you're like, Oh, but like, writing a poem in my notes app is like not really the right thing to do and is okay. so like loosely connected to my bigger goals and my bigger plan mm -hmm. that I just shouldn't sit with it for a bit. Like just, yeah. you know, pause and be like, this is like, this is like the thought work we do in therapy. It's like, okay, why, mm -hmm. <laughs> why is my brain telling me that I should not use the notes app to craft this poem right now? Okay. What if I did? Mm -hmm. Okay maybe I'll do it. Okay. 
what happened? Am I still alive? Am I, am I like thriving a little bit more than I was before because I've crafted a poem in my notes app. And then so many days later, I've got over 20. Like that's, that's incredible. That's, I, I love that you bring in the tower card to this because this is where we find these like moments for growing like brand new processes and just like letting them flourish. Um, you know, in the absence of the structures that we've built before that we think are the right structures that somebody else has told us is the right structure. This sort of like planting new seeds in process is just like, it's so like magical to talk about. Um, yeah, it's something yeah. I my students probably hate hearing from me now, but I, I always say, I'm just going to plant this seed and you water it and you see what grows. <laughs> and, but I, I really do think it's, it's kind of like, you know, your, your life is, you know, I kind of think of it like, you know, my, my, my emotions or my life is like just a, a garden. And sometimes I plant the seeds, what I think is the right time, but then, you know, maybe it's actually a perennial and it's not going to come up <laughs> until much, much later. And then all of a sudden I'll have irises every single year because I did the work and paid attention at that one moment to be like, I'm not going to throw this away. And for me, I'm so glad I did write those, you know, um, I, I'm so glad I did take that notes app, like, you know, mm -hmm. just offering that the universe had. I've sent a few of those poems out for publication. I don't know if I've got in anywhere, but just the fact that like, I hadn't tried doing that in two years. And then all of a sudden I was doing it um, because I, I believed in my work, you know. Yeah. So. Speaking of which, um, your work definitely like dances along that line of sort of like real and imagined or what we might call like real and magic, mm -hmm. um, seen and unseen. Um, can we talk about that just like in your life? Like what, how does what we might consider to be the unseen or magic factor in either to your creative process or just like your, your every day? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you're right. I do. I do feel really, um, pulled to, in my writing to, to think about almost like maybe, um, a mythic kind of stories. Mm -hmm. I feel like, um, you know, that really, it's almost kind of, a, uh, maybe like a primal sound that I feel like I, I carry, um, that you might think of from like, a, a singing bowl, um, or a, you know, a drum. Um, I'm like, Oh, this is, you know, once I really kind of you know, break down other vibrations. This is kind of what I feel like really connects me to my, to my magical side. And, um, I think in the, like in the everyday, um, or maybe not in the everyday when I really focus, I think my shadow side is really important to me. And in like Mexica spirituality from Mexico, we call this the Nahual and it's, it's your shadow self. It is you, but it's, uh, like a, a spirit you. And I really do tend to think of myself as sometimes more spirit than maybe human. Mm. Um, and I think that helps me kind of understand perhaps some of my like, into like, where's this, where's this intuitive feeling coming from? Um, because it doesn't quite relate to what's happening in reality. Um, and so I really try and work with my shadow side. Um, and you might've, you know, sometimes call this like shadow work. Um, but it's very healing for me. And so I have, you know, altars that kind of are very much oriented towards that, working with like the four elements, um, cleansing myself and my house. 
Um, and it really comes into my work, I think, a lot when I'm thinking of characters who are also maybe like really connected to their shadow side or maybe um, kind of like as if this shadow self is above you connected to kind of like an energetic thread and something traumatic has cut it. I also think about almost like it's it's a bit of, I guess, to put it in maybe like more uh, familiar terms, kind of like a hero's journey of how do you go from, you know, go from the ordinary world to the supernatural and then going back to kind of like equilibrium. So I'm really interested in the spiritual work that that takes. Do you feel like you can tell, let's say, let's say you're sitting down to to write or type out a poem or a story, um, you're sitting down to create, do you, can you think of, of moments when you feel that particular intersection? Like, does it feel differently when you're fully embracing the shadow self or when the cord is sort of like restrung or reconnected? Um, can you think about moments that you've had when you when you felt that sort of like reverberation? Sure. Yeah. I mean, something that I've noticed um, is something I really like to do when I'm creating is I like to be honestly around art or um, and I can go to a museum and kind of feel maybe energetically or or like visually inspired, and that kind of puts me, you know, not to to like overuse this, but it kind of puts me into a bit of like a trance or a meditative state with, you know, whatever I've got to express myself through, whether that's dance or, um, or writing. And so the, you know, like I think before 2021, a couple months ago, a couple of people in my pod, um, we're playing music and I don't play an instrument and I was too shy to sing. And so I just kind of, I said, yeah, y'all, play music and I'm going to sit in the corner and write poetry. And I don't think they understood what I was doing. You know, I, I think they thought, oh, they're just on their phone, you know, but the whole two hours I was writing poems, I swear. And those are some of my favorite poems. And so I really do feel like for me personally, um, I will kind of put myself in that, in that frame of mind when I like, if I can attend even a Zoom online reading, I'll like, you know, I'll have my own journal out and be writing while someone else is reading to me. And I do feel a little selfish about that because I think like a good student, I'm supposed to pay attention, but I'm sorry, I never really am. I'm kind of, I'm listening to you, but it's also kind of like a reciprocal exchange. Like yeah. I'm, I'm creating while you're sharing your creation or with my musician friends while, you know, they, while they were kind of creating music together, I was also in the room and really getting something from just hearing their collaboration. It was really cool. It's definitely been one of my favorite places to write. So I definitely don't feel as connected to my writing when I haven't done something for my spirit like that, that really puts me in the mindset. And I know you talked about walking earlier. So yeah. when I don't have maybe those uh, available to me, I will definitely go and kind of like commune with nature um, or have like a really kind of slow start to my day. Um, and I may not even sit like at a computer because that feels like maybe not as natural for me, 
Um, so I do think that's why having my phone to like go off with me has been nice. This is like bringing me back to, <laughs> we're talking about like these things, going to museums, um, go, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm in about, I'm about to bring up going to a, going to see dance <laughs> and, and I get that we're talking about things that like, we maybe can't do just quite now, but like the, the essence of it, I think is really important to talk about no matter what, not only to look forward to it and have hope for when we sure. can do it again, but also to try and like, consider like, what are the, what are the energies about these things that we can try to put into practice, but you're putting me in mind of Shout out to a writer I went to grad school with, Emily Maisel Thays, who's a fantastic dance writer and a modern dancer. And because of her and her friendship, I got to go to contemporary dance shows in New York that I never would have sought out on my own. She would sit with a notebook in the near dark the entire time and be scribbling away. Mm-hmm. And this is a writer who is a very talented, adept dancer, a very like physical person she was very much experiencing what was happening on stage, but it was like she was fucking channeling it onto the page. And I remember like sitting in a theater once and, and, and maybe like the person, you know, you're close quarters and the person next to her being like, what is happening here? But like, that was how she celebrated it. That was how she experienced it. And, I, you know, like we chatted about earlier, I just feel like who the... The walks for me are so crucial. I, I I mention this to people a lot, but I remember when um, Franz Wright, who's a poet, came to speak at a college where I was teaching, Concordia College in Bronxville, New York. Somebody asked him, a student asked him, where do you write? And his response was, I take walks. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was brilliant. And that stayed with me as a kind of affirmation that sometimes your physical process is just as important as sitting down at a desk and writing in a notebook or typing in a document. Um, that is writing. That is absolutely writing. Um, taking a yeah. walk, dancing, you know, writing in the corner while other people are mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, making music. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like, I really like that quote too. I think it really validates, um, also kind of like maybe a a subversive narrative to what writing is supposed to look like, which is my, would have been, you know, one of my huge obstacles is like, what is this supposed to look like? And the answer is like, it's very personal. However you need it to look. Yeah. Um, you do other things than, than like writing a a poem Mm -hmm. and in the form of a poem or the form of a short story. And one of the Mm -hmm. things that you do, um, that I really admire is you make zines. Um, and I was lucky enough to sit in on a class where you were, um, you know, teaching a group of writers and retreaters about the art of, of zine making. And it was so joyful. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that, like what draws you to that particular kind of making, if you've engaged with it lately, or if the pandemic has sort of shot it down or brought it out, like, where are you with sort of zines in your life right now? Yeah. Um, yeah, and for those who don't know, zine is Z-I-N-E, um, and it comes from magazine, and I love when people say zine, so if you say zine, <laughs> I support you, um, <laughs> but um, I, I love zines because, um, you know, they're, they're so do-it-yourself, DIY, radical, they're radicalized, um, and that, you know, that history of, of self-publishing really, you know, became popularized, or at least in our history kind of 
well, at least I draw it back to like Martin Luther King and, and self-publishing zines and, and his speeches. Um, and then from there, I think of the other history of the um, riot girl zines, like the music zines. And now, you know, zines have been blown open. And, um, you know, I love the idea that zines are, are community-based. Um, usually you'll find them in your community, in your community bookstores. Um, and they're made by the people that you, the same city you live in. And I don't know if it's, if I was in New York, I might feel the same. Probably would, probably would. Yeah. So many, so many people write about New York. So I don't know. Um, anyways, but I love zines because they really made me feel valid. Like I could give myself that validation to publish my own work. Um, and I also think that um, for me, I, I love making things with my hands, but I'm not quite patient enough to learn carpentry or other things like that. That was really cool. Um, and so I really find working with paper fascinating, especially as a writer. I really like taking things to like, um, maybe it's alien form, at least for a Westerner. I can't say that's true across the world. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's why I'm drawn to zines. They're like another way for me to access a creative side that maybe wasn't um, maybe I don't feel super comfortable in like my visual art, but with zines, I can collage, I can do a little bit of watercoloring, um, and I can also like create my own book, which is really special. And I think it also takes me away from the idea that um, mainstream publishing has to give me the green light, you know, to, no, that's not true. Like I can give these zines as presents, I can sell them. It's my work and I get to, and I get to say what the value is of it. So I guess that's why I love zines. They're great. Um, and as far as making them, I actually haven't, you know, in a while, but I've been thinking about it and I've been trying to collect magazines again and something I've been wanting to put in them um, are these like, just like little kind of water colorings of things that I'm playing around with, with watercolors. I made my, all my friends for Christmas um, for Yule. Uh, like little kind of like, if you remember those, um, the idea was like those little golden books that were like, yeah. tiny. so I made sort of zines. I made um, golden books for all my friends for Christmas about like moments with them that were really special to me. Um, and that was, you know, my way of like making something that I thought, how are we going to remember Christmas 2020 if I can't even celebrate with you? This episode that I did on my own recently for Page of Cups is all about kind of uh, rethinking how we find joy in the sort of like daily process of making and 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 sort of ignoring that messaging that's telling us that it has to be connected to some kind of like structure or goal um, and to and to come back to, you know, it may not be the inner child for you, but it's, it's whatever that sort of like delightful soul is uh -huh. within you that is like, yes, yeah. I just want to cut up magazines and arrange images and, and I want to color and I want to paint. And these things that I think as adult writers, sometimes we tell ourselves we shouldn't really be doing anymore because there's no sort of like solid end result. Like you said, it's like, we ask ourselves the question, well, how is this connected to an industry? How is this something that I'm going to share? And sometimes it is something you're going to share. It's like the most lovely Yule gift for your dear friends. <laughs> and sometimes it's just for you. Uh -huh. Like I used to make collages just for me. <laughs> they were never intended to be sort of like, I wasn't searching for a gallery to show them in. And I 
I think uh, sometimes we have to be conscious of like sort of recultivating that that practice of of making that is not necessarily connected to yeah the finished product so to speak absolutely I mean I think it just it's I like how you said delightful soul I mean it does delight your soul and I think that's a wonderful thing to do for yourself more so than you know any kind of publishing contract will do for you it'll it'll be cool but if you're only if that's always your goal you'll never be satisfied like you will be an endless well of goals which personally I don't think what is my purpose that sounds so tiring Mm-hmm. It just sounds utterly exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually uh, very conveniently related to our poll for this evening. You um, posed a lovely question to the deck, um, which I just, when when you said it, I wrote it down and then I circled it like three times and I want to put it up on my wall and frame it. And it's, it's <laughs> just lovely. And so, so the question that... Um, uh, when I pull cards for this episode, I'm I'm coming to the deck with this question of like, what is here to serve the writer? And then sometimes I put a finer point on that. And by the writer, I mean the artist. I mean, anybody who's trying to create something. So the question that you've posed this evening is, how do we sustain self-love in times of ongoing stress? And we have pulled 10 of cups. And I just... I just giggled with glee when I I pulled this card. I was so excited. Um, The card that I'm pulling, um, the the, the deck, sorry, that I'm pulling from is the Pagan Otherworlds. And we were chatting earlier about this particular illustration. um, And I want to point out a few things that we've seen here. Um, Oftentimes um, in this uh, card, you will see a family on a hill we don't see any, any people in this illustration. We do see a home. We see a home at the end of a little river bend and trees. And then we see these 10 chalices framed like a crown against the sky. Um, oftentimes in this card, you will see a rainbow in the sky. Um, what these artists have created is almost like a ribbon version of the rainbow, almost like a maypole, like we were saying. And then, Madalise, you notice something in particular about this sort of bouquet with that's held within the frame of the of the chalices. Could you talk a little bit about that? And then anything else that you noticed from this particular illustration of ten? Sure, I'm like, can I remember what my what my brain was scatting? Uh, also, I wrote it down, that. so I'll. Yeah. <laughs> Let me know. We can, we can always bring me back. I mean, I liked what you had to say in particular about the flowers that are held in this frame. Um, but you had some other lovely things to well, say. I guess when you showed me the card up close, I remember just, I think I was like, oh, it's a crown. Obviously it's a headpiece yeah. and yeah. it was so ornate. Um, and then, you know, when we were talking about the maypole and the flowers and also the cottage in the back. Um, it reminded me that, um, you know, like the cottage is very like warm and it's safe and it yeah. kind of makes us think of a kind of this idyllic existence. It even has like what looks like a pretty amazing like river going by it, which is like luscious and life-giving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just thinking about like, you know, while this is very idyllic, somebody still had to get up at 6 a.m. or earlier 
and walk all the way down to that little hill and get this, get the huge maple stick out, dig the hole, plant the maple stick and then arrange everything. And I just thought that was like a wonderful testament to, um, to this, to this energy of kind of like, why would you do this? Because it's a beautiful ceremony that you're like choosing to make. I think this is like key. This card, as we, as we chatted about is one of the so-called like good cards of the tarot. It's a, it's blissful to pull it. I think that all cards can be potentially blissful, but some of them we're going to be more delighted to see. And this is definitely one of them because it embodies this idea of sort of like contentment or fulfillment. Tens are a kind of culmination in the minor arcana. So we've reached the end of a cycle and we're excited to be here at this moment. We're excited to have transformed. So, um, and we chatted about how, um, for me as, as a childless person, I'm excited to see a representation that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. have the, the family with the children, because to me, that doesn't necessarily embody sort of ultimate contentment or bliss. Um, whereas with this one, I can kind of imagine myself into whatever this ceremony means. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, okay, to get back to this idea of sort of reaching this culmination for me, 10 of cups is really about kind of trying to cultivate that joy or that contentment in your daily practice and in daily moments. Mm-hmm. And when we were chatting about that earlier, you talked about living in ceremony. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, like I'm thinking of two things. Um, one is what I've, what I've kind of learned from Mexica spirituality in which, you know, our, you know, people today have said that our ancestors always lived in ceremony. Every day was ceremony from the way that you got up to the way that you dressed and ate. Um, and it's not necessarily the ceremony that you might think of with religions, um, because spirituality is like kind of you sensing intuitively what is the right thing to do and then making that choice to do it with the knowledge that you have about spirit, your spirituality or spirituality in general. And so I think there's quite a difference between if someone tells you to, you have to pray the Hail Hail Mary five Mm -hmm. times before you are allowed to do something else. So I think that's, I'm thinking of that kind of Mexica cosmology of living in ceremony is so beautiful because you're very, you're living a very clean life, a very, a life full of like connection to the, to the like um, guardian spirits around you and to, to natural elements. Um, and energies. But I'm also thinking about, for me, kind of like we just talked about, like kind of having that day-to-day almost like ceremonial check-in with yourself, making little things a ceremony. Like um, even if I'm, you know, maybe I'm like with my phone and I have kind of this feeling that overcomes me that I need to go on a walk and just be with myself um, and maybe write something down on my phone, maybe just listen to music, um, that that is kind of how I can be in ceremony with myself. Um, And yeah, I think it just helps me kind of clear, um, kind of clear the idea that I have to make my day um, productive or special. Like the fact that I am here is already special. Mm -hmm. Um, The fact that like the trees are in in a changing period right now from winter to spring is a ceremony in itself. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I think, I think kind of maybe being more present on the day-to-day, um, like seeing a cardinal for me. Um, oh, wow, it's a cardinal. And that always makes me think of my ancestors because of like a 
little thing that my mom always says about cardinals being your um, your relatives who have passed away saying hello to you. And so now I'm in ceremony and I'm doing ancestor worship, even for those like 15 brief seconds saying, hi, abuelita. Yeah, I think that's 10 of cups energy. And sometimes it is going out and building your maple. And I love that you, I love that when you were um, talking about the the crown and this headpiece and the, and the ribbon streaming down that you brought up, you know, the work that went into creating this, mm-hmm. um, this ceremonial space and this, and this, um, lovely spot on this hill that it's not just like you wake up every morning and it's there. Um, and it makes me think about the way that we love the way that we love like others or the way that we love our work is that oftentimes we're waiting to sort of like feel that love, like it's supposed to come to us. When you talked about um, sort of like living in ceremony as something that you do from the moment that you wake up to the moment that you go to sleep, it made me think how we like, how are we sort of living self-love? How are mm-hmm. we living like love for others and, and love for ourselves as opposed to just like wanting it to be something that's kind of like falling into our lap um, right. because we are a certain way and we deserve it when we can enact it. Um, and everybody deserves to enact it. What sort of parting words of advice would you say that 10 of cups has for the artist? Um, either when it comes to sustaining self-love in stressful times or making or you know what are what are you hearing for yourself or for the collective from ten of cups if you were to Mm -hmm. give some advice um well this is something that you said so i feel like you should maybe speak if you want to but as something that you said is you know when you're engaging in an odious task like how do you keep that ten of cups energy where do you go to grab Um, and keep that joy in your day to day. Mm -hmm. And that speaks to me personally, because I think I do quite a bit of odious tasks for someone who's very dreamy, who really um, needs their creative side to kind of be like prominent and the priority in my life. Um, And I would say that, you know, it's try not to count how your day or to weigh your day against, well, I spent eight hours teaching And now I only have four hours to myself. And of those two hours, like, I think the more that you break down your day as like what is not part of your creative self, the more that you're leaning into that narrative of there's just no possible way for me to get real joy. There's no possible way, but I also can't starve. So I'm stuck. And I, you know, in the pandemic, I think a lot of us are literally stuck um, waiting for a vaccine or quarantining or et cetera. So I would say that maybe try and reframe that odious task as I'm doing this, but later I'm going to take out a little copal and this is going to be my maypole moment. And, or maybe I'm going to take my phone out on a walk and try and get pictures of birds so I can later write about how it felt to go on that walk and just do something for myself. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And that's that, um, to think about this, like cottage in the distance, 
you know, mm -hmm. we see that we see the sort of maypole and this crown of chalices, this gorgeous bouquet or um, headpiece like made of flowers. That's all in the foreground. The house at the end of the river, the sweet little cottage is sort of in the distance. And it's it, it is like it makes me think about having these sorts of like little mini destinations. I mean, I know we're talking about being in the present moment, but I mean, as I told you, like I'm always thinking about like the next cup of tea. Like I'm so pumped for the next cup of tea. Yeah. And then when I make the cup of tea and I get to really sit with it, it's like an absolute joy. And it's that little bit of like safety and comfort. And I feel like that cottage is, it's like, what's your, what's going to be the cottage in your day? Mm -hmm. You have this little like safe source of contentment. Is it not right now? Well, can you, can you have it in your back pocket and sort of like look forward to it later? Um, right. And so you're sort of, you're both present in the task, but you're also like, you're also looking forward to, you know, relishing that kind of like fulfillment that you'll have in another way. That's kind of like energizing you and keeping you going and, and really like to go back to that verb in your question, sustaining, sustaining how you take care of yourself, even in a stressful or unpleasant task. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you just share real quick, what is it that you're working on right now, um, that you're super excited about? Um, can you give us a little glimpse into, to go back to talking about like mm -hmm. projects after yeah. we've said like projects don't need, don't need any kind of <laughs> well, like, but, no. but like, you know, I, I know that, I know that you have certain projects in mind and I'm wondering if you just talk like a little bit about what it is that you've got going right now. Yes. Um, I think it's totally fine. You know, it's, we, we're all multiplicitous. Um, I'm yes. Yeah, so I'm going back to a project that is really loved. Um, and it's this novel in verse about, um, I've kind of figured out that it's going to be about a teenager um, who kind of feels overwhelmed um, by the changes in their life and in their body. Um, and so we're not really sure if this teenager is literally going into um, like an expansive nature or if this is just a part of kind of the way that they are allegorizing, if that's a word, um, what's happening to them. And so it really kind of deals with the intersections of kind of coming of age um, but also coming into um, like reclaiming indigeneity, um, thinking about like one's gender, um, thinking about one's sexual orientation and just orientation to relationships. Um, and it's been a really healing experience for me. And I often kind of like call my nickname for this project has been the deer poems because it was inspired when I was observing the deers at um, the writing barns 7.5 acres. And I just couldn't believe how close the deers would get to my camper trailer. And, you know, there was kind of a, a very sad event one day when a fawn um, died by my trailer. And I remember I saw you right after it happened. Um, we were having such a fun day. Mm -hmm. And then the fawn was found by me. Um, and I think that kind of woke me up to um, really woke me up into nature and the fact that, um, you know, I, I love nature, but it also has a lot of hard lessons to give. And so that is kind of where my story is coming from. 
And it is my goal this year to use that word, um, to have a completed draft and then next year to really work on revising that draft. So I'm very excited that the spirit of this story, it has been with me for two years and it just kind of, you know, it won't maybe, it's not like it won't let me go, but it's, it's still a, you know, a story and a character that I, that I really appreciate. And so I'm kind of like honoring myself um, because this maybe not is a story that is mainstream publishable, but yeah. I love it. So I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately with the, because I'm I'm like sort of resurrecting a decades old novel that's had different iterations. And I think that there are some things like this character to me sounds like a timeless character when I'm and I don't just mean your creative process. I mean, like the characters that we need to read about the characters that we need to engage with. But it also feels quite timely right now. And I think that's the intersection that calls us back to certain story elements or certain projects is when we have this like beautiful intersection and when we feel called to spend time with them is that not only are they sort of timeless to the reader or the consumer, um, whoever gets to experience them, but they're also timeless for us as individuals and as, and as artists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for articulating it in that way. I think that's really oh, true. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think I thought about characters as being timeless for the writer. Because I think in so many, you know, Western writing workshops, it's like getting done with a story, tearing it like oh, through it yeah. and then to the next one yeah. or tearing through a draft of a novel to get it published. And then you have to think about what's my next project so I can continue to win awards or get paid or, and this has not been that project for me. This has been a character or characters that just live inside my soul and I'm so grateful for them because they make me excited to write. They are the sustaining characters. Ah! Sustain. I'm dead. I'm dead. We oh. Said oh. oh. <laughs> oh, wow. I, my wish for you in the coming days is that you will have a hearty chuckle with a fellow writer or artist whom you admire and respect. I wish that for you so deeply. It's there's nothing better. I hope you stick around. Thank you for listening. BT dubs. Um, I hope that you'll stick around for 25 minutes of guided writing inspired by 10 of cups. If you are sitting down to write, I invite you to clear your deck. I invite you to move aside anything that you don't need in this moment. And that includes your phone. If you're listening to the episode on your phone, then I invite you to just tuck it behind your laptop or a potted plant, <laughs> or a mug. Um, and if you're walking around, if you're driving, then, oh my God, absolutely. Just like listen in, absorb, and kind of dream about these prompts. Um, walking is writing. It absolutely is. Um, here we go. Let's take a deep breath before we begin. So deep breath in and exhale. All right, first prompt. I want you to imagine the perfect house. Mm-hmm, yep. This can be either for you or a character that you're working on. So consider what does that mean to you or to them? What does the perfect house mean? What is the notion of a perfect home? How many windows and doors? Are there any windows and doors? I want you to imagine this home using all the senses and just explore every little nook and cranny, um, for the time that I've given you or as much time as you'd like. 
Where does it live and what does it contain? What does it feel like to sit down inside this place? And how does it sound? Pause the recording here and write for seven minutes. All right, we're back for prompt two. Are you ready? Let's go. For this prompt, I want you to consider your life as it is in this present reality or your characters. Again, you can always talk about your character here. What are the little homes that live in your or their world? What are the daily cottages at the bend in the river? What are you always coming home to? Whether it's an idea, a person, a passion, or a place. And keep in mind that if you want to use these prompts for your work in progress, you can pose these questions to a character and let them respond, especially one that you want to get to know a little better. You're going to pause here and write for seven minutes. Are you ready for the third and final prompt? All right. I want you to imagine yourself or your character building the ultimate maypole, whatever that means to you. The point is to create something that celebrates a season of returning to warmth or growth or waking up. It's a physical structure to celebrate having made it through a winter of some kind. How and where do you build this? And what do the pieces look like? Tell the page or imagine everything about this process and who's involved. And try and lead up to the moment. Try to try to arch your way to the moment where you sit back and observe this structure and really pause and drink it all in. Right for 12 minutes, starting now. All right, let's do a deep breath in and out to transition from the writing process. So deep breath in and exhale. If your allergies are bad like mine right now, that's a bit of a ragged inhale, exhale. That's okay. That's not the point. The point is to pause and transition into whatever you've got next. You might be going to bed. You might be getting up. You might be going back to work. Whatever you got next, um, I just invite you to take a moment to thank yourself. Thank yourself for taking the time to write and reflect. Um, thank yourself um, for just taking the time out purely for yourself. And I hope to write with you again soon. I'm teaching a right now session, Tuesday, March 30th, 7 to 8.30 p.m. That is 90 minutes of guided writing with a theme. Uh, it's great fun. It's great community. It's 12 bucks. I hope to see you then. If not, I hope to write with you again soon via The Fool in the Page. It's wonderful to gather with you here virtually. Thank you for DMing me with your ideas and questions. Please keep doing that. Please reach out to me if there's a card that you'd like to hear from. I would love to get your suggestions and questions. Those conversations are life-giving. So thanks so much, y'all, for being here. And yeah, until the next time we write together, take care. <laughs>